You're listening to The Lost Art of Liner Notes, a podcast by Rumble Yard. Recently, we caught up with Caitlin Smith on the road and invited her to sit down with Katie McCartney of Monument Records and discuss making Caitlin's new album, Starfire. Before you call me baby. I'm Katie McCartney, and I work at Monument Records, and you are... And I am Caitlin Smith, and I am an artist that is signed to Monument Records. So, I want to start by sort of talking about where you and I met the first time, which really wasn't that long ago mm-hmm. at this point. It was just a little bit over a year ago, mm-hmm. and it was before Monument Records even was announced in any way, shape, or form. But the first day I came in to work at Monument Records, Jason Owen, who is one of the co-presidents of Monuments said, have you heard of Caitlin Smith? And I was like, yeah, I've heard of Caitlin Smith because everybody in town was talking about Caitlin Smith. And mostly it was because of, well, obviously you had the EP out, but it was really because of the song, This Town Is Killing Me. And I really feel like, and I think everybody feels like, everybody in Nashville who is trying to make it, whether you're an artist or you're a songwriter or you're a producer or you're a label person or a manager or whatever it is, can relate to that song Mm -hmm. because Nashville can chew up anybody and spit them out. Uh, And it's sort of up to you to decide to go. Um, So you want to talk, start by talking just a little bit about that song? Yeah, totally. I wrote that song a handful of years ago with two good friends of mine, um, Paul Moak, who produced the record, and Gordy Sampson, longtime co-writer and friend. And um, I knew they would be the perfect people to bring this idea to. I had kind of thought, the title came to me after kind of a tough week in Nashville, And really, it took my whole eight years of living there to really write this song. The title came after a tough week of, like, you know, just hearing no again about something else and getting my heart smashed (laughs) by the business. And I kind of face-plopped on my couch, and I was, like, having this feeling of, like, man, why did I move here? Like, you know, I'm from Minnesota, and I, um, you know, moved my whole family to Nashville to do this dream, this music thing. And, um... And the title came to me then. And, uh, and so I brought it to the, the session at, at Paul's studio. And um, as soon as we threw the title out in the room, they were like, oh, we felt that. Like, we know that story. Let's write that. <laughs> and so we each got to put little pieces of our story. But they were all so similar scenarios that we've all been in. But for me, it was, you know, the song... It kind of turned into my anthem. It's been the long and winding road. When I first moved to Nashville, I thought, you know, hey, it's going to be easy. I'm going to, you know, I've got this publishing deal now so I can write some songs for other people. But, you know, I'll just go around to some record labels and play some songs and I'll get a record deal and be a big star. Like, it'll happen, like, you know, like that. And, you know, that's not how, that's not what happened. <laughs> and... Um, and it was uh, years and years of of trying and trying again and, and and meeting with every label in Nashville and then some hearing no multiple times and just getting to this place of like, man, I wish, like I really want to do this artist thing, but maybe I shouldn't. <laughs> and so this, you know, this song kind of came out of, 
playing showcases around Nashville and nobody's listening. They don't care. Or like pitching your songs to people. And if it doesn't sound like a hit, they don't care. Like Mm. it's just all the brutality wrapped into one beautiful three minutes. (laughs) Right. Nashville, you win. Your steel guitars and broken hearts have done me. So back to that conversation that Jason and I were having, you know, I was talking to him about you and you had put this EP out completely on your own. And, and Jason was like, I I really think that, that she's going to be one of our first artists. I think we should try to sign her and I want you to go have lunch with her and, and come back and tell me if you think we should do it. And Monument was built on being a marketing focused label in Nashville, but also between Jason and Shane McAnally, who's our other co-president, they have successfully over the course of their career shown that there's a lot more to Nashville than just the typical country music that everybody's used to hearing. They, they together went in and, and broke Casey Musgraves and Sam Hunt and all these other different acts that they've worked on together and separately. But Monument, the overarching um, motto that we live by is that there's so much more to Nashville. And Shane said something in an interview right as we announced that music that doesn't seem to fit anywhere fits everywhere. Mm-hmm. And so that is what made Caitlin Smith so perfect to be one of our flagship artists. Mm-hmm. Because you, as you were saying, you went to this record label or that record label and they said no because they didn't know where you fit. No. And to us it was like, oh my God, she, she fits everywhere. We've got to go after her. So you and I had lunch at Firefly yes. uh, in Nashville, and it was so great. And I came back to Jason and was like, oh, my God, she's fantastic. We've got to do this. Yes. And so I think it was the next week totally. when, when we offered the deal. So from our perspective, it happened really fast. Yeah, absolutely. But from yours, not well, so much. And it was really interesting because at that point in my career, I had kind of – uh, put away the idea of really even having a label partner. I, I released the first half of the Starfire EP independently, five songs, and that's what you guys had heard. And um, and so when you had asked to take the meeting, I was kind of like, yeah, I don't know, like just, you know, I had kind of already put the label idea away. I was just going to be an indie artist for the rest of my life. <laughs> and um, it was really wonderful because when we met, I felt the connection when we met with Jason and Shane, like their their whole philosophy that they were bringing to the table. And um, I, I just loved. And I felt like, man, I guess I had just maybe waited all this time for this perfect partnership. It felt just right. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, it, it totally clicked on our end, too. Yeah. So the thing is, too, that we were watching your EP that you had put out on your own. And what you had done by yourself was incredible. Um when when Jason and I had that conversation, I quickly went to Spotify to look at your EP, and you had nearly one million monthly listeners, which is crazy, crazy for an artist that's that, you know, to be out there completely really on their crazy. own. But there's so much more to you than just being an artist coming from Minneapolis to Nashville to be a songwriter first. You want to talk just a little bit about that part of your history? Yeah, totally. 
I mean, I grew up on the stage and singing um, all over Minnesota. Lived in Minneapolis for five years, and I had made a bunch of indie records, and um, my parents sat me down at 15, and they had seen kind of my diligence of that I love to do music, and said, hey, hey, we've got your college fund, but do you want to make a record with it instead? And so, so that kind of started my journey of really taking my music career seriously. And uh, as soon as I made that first record, I think I was 16, I made my way to Nashville. And I saw that, you know, it's obviously Music City. There's the best of the best musicians there and singers and artists. But what I saw was the songwriting community. And um, it really struck a chord with me. I, I saw that you could be the best singer in the world, but if you don't have the songs, you're not going to have much of a career. So um, I kind of shifted my focus. I mean, I was still gigging Minneapolis and then started just taking trips back and forth and back and forth. And I was like, I'm going to try and dig into this songwriting community. And I also saw that there were some artists that I admired that were... Um, writing songs for other people. They had publishing deals, which was kind of like paying their bills, and then still able to do their, their artist career. And so I thought, man, that's that's pretty good. It actually makes the move from Minneapolis to Nashville a little safer if I can secure a writing job. Like, And so I finally got a publishing deal at 23, moved down to Nashville with my husband, and then I, I, I kind of took a break from the stage, and I just wrote and wrote and wrote and wrote, became a student of songs. And um, within six months, my songs started getting cut by really big artists. And it was like, what? Well, this is unexpected and awesome. Um, and it was, uh, it was a handful of years of just writing for other people. But after a few years of you know watching other people sing my songs, it started to get a little bit harder. I started missing the stage. I started um, really missing being the artist. Yeah. And so... Well, that's funny that you say that, too, because what, when we first started talking about you before we had even really met, um, it was sort of obvious to us that this was like, you were like Carol King, and this is your tapestry, you know, that you're making with the EP, and, and knowing that you were working on the rest of the record is, this is clearly a record that only you could do, and you could sing, and, and it's your story. Um, but so let's talk a little bit more about that EP, because so half of the record Starfire, which is the, the record we released earlier this year, yeah. was already out that you put out independently. Yep. Um, so you had written the majority of the record mm-hmm. um, before we had even signed, and you had recorded almost all of the record before we had even signed. And there's some interesting things about that. You wrote a lot of this record on an Amtrak train. That's true. You were, <laughs> you were pregnant. Yes. Um, which is just crazy. You were pregnant on the train? Pregnant on the train. I wouldn't <laughs> recommend going on a train um, that pregnant. <laughs> and you had been in the studio with Paul recording almost everything. So yeah. before we came in, you were already you. We just had to come in and sort of hone the story, right. which was fun. But you did still have a little bit of a record to finish. True. But walk me through just a little bit about that sort of that moment after you got signed of this is so much of the record I've, I'm already done, but I've got more to do before yeah. we put this out. Yeah, I mean, we had, we had cut uh, 10 songs, and then, yeah, because I found out I was pregnant, we only released half of it, because I was like, I just want to give the record, you know, it's like due and, and be able to tour the whole thing, and I felt like I couldn't do that after just having a baby. So, yeah, I recorded uh, 10 of the songs with Paul, and then once I signed with you guys, I still had been writing it. Like after between the point of uh, releasing the Starfire EP and signing with you guys, um, I think a half year had passed, mm-hmm. and um, 
I had written a ton of songs already in that half year. And, and I think I had just started really honing in in the last year, really honing in on writing my story. And so um, there were still little pieces that I felt in that half year that I, uh, songs that I had collected that still needed to be a part of that record. Mm-hmm. Songs like Eastside Restaurant mm-hmm. and St. Paul. Well, I want to tell a little story about Don't Give Up On My Love. because Yeah, Don't Give Up On My Love was another. Um, it's funny because we had signed you and we hadn't seen you live yet, but clearly we were very well aware of your capabilities. But you did a Girls of Nashville show in Nashville, which is sort of a songwriter round type kind of a show that has a little house band backing backing you, which is a really cool thing. But myself and Kelly Porter, who works in our marketing department, went to see you that night and you had done a couple of songs already and you were about to go into your third song. Mm -hmm. And it happens in this little club called Third and Lindsley in Nashville that is, I don't know, probably 250 people can be in there. Maybe maybe 500. I think it's five. About 500 people club. So um, (laughs) anyways, and it was packed out to the gills and you started telling a story about this song. And you're like, oh, I wrote this little ditty when, you know, I was on a hunting trip with my husband and like (laughs) there was this thing and you told this great story, but you told it in such a bubbly way that I thought it was going to be just this like, you know, cute little song song because, and oh my God, I had, I had this full physical reaction Mm. to that performance and I looked around the room thinking am I the only one reacting like this because I should reel it in a little bit (laughs) (laughs) but I looked over at Kelly and her jaw was on the table and I looked at all the other people that were surrounding us and it's like there were tears there were there people were uncomfortable in their chairs like everybody (laughs) was reacting the same way and as soon as you finish that song it's so powerful um everybody should stop what they're doing and go listen to it um (laughs) But it was such a powerful performance, such a powerful song, uh, and showcased your vocals in such an insane way that I was like, how have I never heard this song before? (laughs) I came running back into the green room after, and I was like, are you recording this song? Is this going to be on the record? And you're like, I don't know. You're just trying it out. I don't know. And I was like, no, it has got to go on there. Yeah, I remember that. It was just, it was such a moment. And so... I, I don't know that my reaction was what ultimately got it on the record. But. I think maybe. I mean, the story, I think the hard part is that I'd written that song by myself. And so I was testing it out at that show because it's, yeah. you know, when you write a song by yourself, you're the only one responsible if it, like, sucks or if it's good. <laughs> like, I don't know. So I was a little nervous about it. And um, I really do think, like, the response and reaction that night kind of was the confirmation of, yeah, okay, this is part of my story, like a big piece, and yeah. it needs to be on the record.
tell me a little bit about the actual story of the song. Too. Yes, it's kind of hilarious. And so, like you said, we uh, I was on a hunting trip with my husband. He had a brilliant idea that all the, all the guys go and the women come and, you know, they can hang out in South Dakota. How fun. <laughs> so fun. <laughs> it actually was a very nice, relaxing trip, and I took the opportunity to write you know, bring my guitar and write some songs by the fire because I don't really get time to do that. And um, I had written this whole song while he was out in the field all day. And it came. he came back in and I played the song for him. And you guys, I played him that song and we ended up really actually making a baby that night. <laughs> Just... <laughs> Um, which that was the, that song is the reason why Thomas is around. <laughs> I love that so which much. Which is hilarious because it's such a huge part of this whole record too. I mean, Absolutely. like that was the song that was the song that was written that started that journey. Yeah. Um, that you know he was along for the whole record process. <laughs> I love that so much. Let's also talk just a little bit about Starfire itself, the title track, and the sentiment behind it and sort of how that is the story that's overarching on everything we've talked about and as we continue to move forward. Yeah. It's also the single that we're working at AAA Radio that's getting some good traction, and it's sort of becoming an anthem for a lot of people. It's a powerful which message. Which is so cool, which is so cool, because, I mean, I, I wrote it as my own anthem, you know, like we had, we've been talking about. I'd spent years and years in Nashville um, trying to make it work, and I had this guitar, this 63 Guild Starfire, it's like this beautiful sunburst guitar with this gorgeous warm tone that I love to play. And I love the, the word Starfire. And so I had had that. I had been carrying that word with me for a long time. Um, and I finally figured out, like, that it needs to be about kind of the fire that's in me and, and not giving up and, and still singing these songs, even though critics or labels or the guy down the street maybe doesn't get it. It doesn't matter. Yeah. I want to do it. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm going to. What it's so name? cool that it's become other people's anthems as yeah. well. Kind of a theme. finished out the record and then when we were sort of going back in and saying how are we going to market this how are we going to put this out um, we kept going back into some of the songs that were on the EP which you know the EP was obviously on the whole record that was released but Tacoma was the song that Jason especially was yeah. always just blown away by and it was another one of those really big vocal moments that happens towards the end of that song that'll just blow your mind Keychain. <laughs> <laughs> um, but talk a little bit more about Tacoma too and and the recording process of that and the writing process of that yeah um writing wise I wrote it with Bob DePiro it was the first song I had ever written with him and the short story of that is I was so nervous because he's a hall of fame songwriter and I just really didn't have any ideas. Like a lot of times when you're going to kind of a big write, you prepare and you get some ideas. And I remember I was just like, oh, I don't have anything. And so 
I pulled up the directions, I'm on my way to the right, I'm just racking my brain, and um, I type in the address of his studio place on Music Row, and uh, my Apple Maps takes me all the way to Washington, to Tacoma, and I see the word Tacoma on my phone, and I was like, ah, oh, that's actually a really beautiful word and a really cool title. I love that. And I just started singing this sad melody into my phone, into the voice memos, and met Bob, and we wrote the song. It was like just like a day that that song, like sometimes as a writer you rack your brain and you work so, so hard and you craft the lyric and it takes hours and hours. Mm-hmm. And sometimes you just show up and the song is there in the room, and that was one of those days. Those are the days that I live <laughs> for where I was like, Bob, here's, here's this title idea, here's this thing, and it was like the roof opened up and the song fell down and we wrote it in like, I think it was less than an hour. Wow. Um, and I just, I love the song. I connected with it, that, that pain of the heartache. I, I, had, I hadn't done the drive to Tacoma, but I definitely like had my heart broken and like ran across the country for weeks to get away. And um, so it had to be a part of the record as well. Yeah. Take us into the studio that particular day. Is that a song that stands out for you in the recording process with Paul? I mean, I think so. We uh, we were trying. I mean, we, we cut the album to tape, and I remember we were tracking the song, and we were doing it to a click, and I and it just wasn't feeling right. And so I was like, Paul, this isn't somehow somehow there's something funky about this. And so um, he was like, How about you play, and we won't do it to a click, and we'll just play it like you do it live. And so I did. So I grabbed my Starfire guitar, this old vintage guitar that my dad used to play, and just started playing it like I would do live. You know, sometimes having a click, you know, it just kind of sets you in this certain box. And, and so without that, you can kind of just feel it, go right. feel the music. And, um, and it was really a special moment in the studio because yeah. we all just performed the song. And to fast forward to sort of after we released the record, as was we were going to release the record, we shot a video for Tacoma. Yes. Um, in a relatively unique way. Right. Um, and that at the end of the video, in this big vocal moment we keep referring to, right. um, we actually cut to a live vocal and we're back in the same studio, recorded it in Paul's yes. studio, Smokestack, yep. uh, in Nashville. And it, the audio throughout the entire video is the actual track. And then once we go to this big key change, we cut into the studio, and you're live again. Right. Which, it was tricky to do, since we didn't cut it to a click, right. you know? And it's like a total, like, stop in the track. And it's totally free-fall feeling of where the heck that key change lands. And I was, like, trying to get into my head a year ago, wherever I was, like, how, how long did I wait? To, and it took, like, a... You know, 20 times to, to <laughs> nail, like, the exact timing. Because, uh, yeah, yeah. Was, the band wasn't there. I wasn't... Right. Know, so well, and the best part tricky. is that we waited until the very end of, of the second day 
right? <laughs> to do that. Of filming. We filmed three music videos in two days. Three music that videos happened. and did a photo shoot <laughs> a photo shoot in two days. We did all of that. That, that was, was crazy. That wasn't that bad. That was insane. High five on that. <laughs> we did it. That was awesome. But it was the very, it was the very end of I everything. I remember sitting there thinking, oh my God, I'm 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 so sorry that we're doing this too <laughs> at the very end of this thing. Fine. But man, it turned out <laughs> incredible. Well, it was a little nerve wracking though because there was like 20 people in the control room. Yes. All the pressure's on. They're like, all right, kid, try and nail this key change like with no click. Right. And, and because we were live, we couldn't play the music into the room. No. So I had no headphones. I like, how did we even do that? We, you had it playing very faintly. Very faintly. That's right. In the speaker in the room. Yes. Because you couldn't pick it up in the, you didn't want to pick it up in the mic. Right. That was silly. It was, but man, it was, it paid off. should have had like an (laughs) (laughs) in-ear. It paid off for sure. Glam doesn't allow for in-ears. Yeah, yeah. No, it doesn't. (laughs) Um, But but that actually leads me into talk about the artwork a little bit because the Starfire album cover is like epic. It's iconic. I'm so proud of it. (laughs) Um, It's so cool. And it was actually born really out of your mind of wanting to have a sort of a, a constellation yeah, you use the word nebula, which I don't like to say. Why don't you like the word nebula? It sounds dirty. Nebula. No, gross. <laughs> I <laughs> love gross. nebulas. <laughs> Anyways, so as we're going through the wardrobe process with your stylist, <laughs> Tiffany Gifford, Tiffany's like, I have an idea. Oh, my gosh. I know this She's fabric. So brilliant. Yes. Um, and so she went in and had a cape made for you. Yes, she did, because she's magical little bean. <laughs> <laughs> she had this beautiful nebula cape that she had made with these gorgeous, like, giant shoulder pads, which to me is just makes you feel so powerful when you have huge sh- shoulder pads. Yeah. And then she freaking bedazzled all these <laughs> stars on it, and it just made me feel like yeah. a superhero. Well, and we had sat down and was, we were sort of talking about the direction of, of the photography and everything. And, and Jason kept talking about uh, a silhouette. Uh, yeah. And we were talking about this cape. And it's like, I feel like all of a sudden this vision was just there. And, uh, you know, I called Becky Fluke, who was who did the photography. Mm-hmm. Uh, her and Reed Long also did the three videos. Um, very talented people, obviously, They're for insane. getting all of that done. They're amazing. Um, it was like the vision was there. And so I talked it through with Becky and, and then boom, she nailed that she shot. She nailed oh it. Oh my God. We were in, cause we had just filmed, um, which music Starfire. Video? We, we just filmed Starfire. Starfire and they had painted the whole room black. Mm-hmm. And so, um, yeah, it was just a single light shining toward my body with an all black room and, yeah. and the magical cape. The yes. Dazzled Nebula. <laughs> yes, and it was the cover. It was yeah. incredible. Good job, everybody. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it was, but so cool, and it is like an iconic cover. I love it. So now that now that we're here, the record's out into the marketplace. You've made your TV debut. Um, yeah, that was crazy. <laughs> it was awesome with the Tonight Show. You have uh, had incredible critical acclaim. You've been in the New York Times. I was uh, in New York and I got to buy the New York Times and <laughs> open it up to the music session. And I was like, what is life? This is insane. <laughs> so incredible. So cool. But so all of these things have happened and it's been such a long journey. Tell me what you are most proud of Wow. as it pertains to this record. I mean, it's really hard to pick one thing because all of this stuff has just all felt like icing on the cake. Like, like I had said, like I had gotten to this point And the reason even why I made this record is I just, because I had had so many closed doors, I still wanted to make music and I still wanted to put something out there. So I said to myself, you know what? 
just make a record that you love, of songs, music that you love. Don't think about radio or genre or the guy down the street. Don't think about that. Just make music that you want to make. And so I did it. I used my own money and I made the record and and I was so proud of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was proud of the process. And then every little step that's kind of happened along the way has been like, wow, that's cool that, you know, I kind of had given up on that dream and that's awesome that that's kind of come along. And and then, you know, being able to do the TV de- debuts and, and all of the response, like it's just been a little overwhelming, like, mm-hmm. what? Yeah. <laughs> it's like I had given up on this a little bit and yeah. the fact that it's... It kind of took letting go for it all to come around. Right. I'm proud of the, the story and the journey. Yeah. Like when I sit and I hold this record, I think about not just the you know hours in the studio that it took to make it, but everything before it. Well, we've been really, really proud to be a part of it, too. Thanks. So you're going out to tour now, tour this record all over the country. Yes. But what's next? Have you started thinking about the next record? Yeah, I've already... I mean, I'm a songwriter, so I'm always writing. I'm already like writing and sorting it out. I'm going to probably start trying out some new songs on the road. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes songs are like, sometimes you write them and you're like, yep, this is my song. I know I'm going to sing it. And sometimes they're like a pair of jeans. you got to try them on a little bit and see, Yeah. yeah you know, how you like singing them every night. Yeah. And so, yeah, I plan on going to the studio hopefully this year again and start, start making more music. Good. Good. Well, so, we're excited for that too. Yay. <laughs> well, I think you're the best. Thanks. I think you're the best. (laughs) Oh, come on. (laughs) Thank you guys for listening to us ramble for the last hour. This is the last hour to liner notes. Peace out. Huge thanks to Caitlin Smith and Katie McCartney for being our guests. You can visit CaitlinSmith.com to find out more about her new album, Starfire, available now. This episode was produced by Lee Stimmel, Mark Grandy, Donna Shapiro, and me, Matthew Billy. Special thanks to Simon Marcus of Pippa and Monument Records. The Lost Heart of Liner Notes is a Rumble Yard production. Rumble Yard is a division of Sony Music Entertainment. For more information, please visit RumbleYard.com. Thanks for listening. Whoa, whoa, whoa.